It is a longer psalm than some of them we've been looking at recently. Um, And yet it is just so precise and consistent and so good. What we're going to see in the psalm this morning is that in time, God who sees all and God who hears all, God who knows the thoughts of every man, he's going to pour out his vengeance on all evildoers, on all those who die in their sins, on those, as we'll see this morning, who think God doesn't see their sin. God doesn't hear, again, their rebellious and insolent speech. They think God doesn't understand, and yet we'll be reminded this morning that indeed He does, that the one who made the eye sees all things, and the one who made the ear, He hears all things. And indeed, a judgment is coming upon those who reject Him. We're also going to see, again, that time is coming, but in the meantime... He is asking the question, who will rise up for me against evil doers? And that's the question he's asking today. That's the question he's asking us. Now, we're going to see he's not asking us for he's not asking us to rise up in a sinful way. He's not asking us to rise up with the wrath of man. No, he's asking us to rise up upholding the truth of Scripture. He's asking us to rise up to be a people of prayer, to be a people willing to speak out in love and proclaim truth, to be a people that are salt and light, to be a people who are moving against falsehood and action in a manner that would bring great glory to God Almighty. And so as we look at this text this morning, we want to be asking the question again, who will rise up for the Lord against evildoers. And we're going to see that we've been charged to do so. And I'm hoping that by the time we're done with this psalm, we'll be more equipped to do so. And again, we'll also get the encouragement that he goes before us when he calls us and when we heed that call. So this morning, again, because it's a longer psalm, we're just going to take it a verse or two at a time and make our way down through it. And I'm just praying that we leave here greatly build up and encourage in the Lord, edified, uh, exhorted, more equipped. And again, even if we need a rebuke or correction in areas this morning, that we could receive those as well. So notice how we start here. It says, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, O God, to whom vengeance belongs, shine forth. Now, I don't think I have to uh, remind you guys, you can look around and see it very clearly that we are in a fallen world. It's a world full of hurts and betrayals, thefts, gossip, slanderous speech, rank wickedness, selfishness, godliness, godlessness, excuse me, that seems to be at an all-time high. And in fact, Scripture said such would be the case at the end of the age. We look at this verse often, 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says, But know this, and the last days perilous times will come. And it gives a description of how mankind would be. It says, for men will be a lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power from such people turn away and indeed we look around and these things abound all around us and listen and these things abounding all around us there's oftentimes when these things directly affect us when this behavior comes against us against our person against our walk with the lord because on top of this in this fallen world it's also a world outside of christ that is massively opposed to the Lord, His Word, and His people. Jesus said in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. And you'll go home, what did you learn at church today? I heard the world hates me. That's, that's what I learned. Listen, 
in that hate, there's going to be times when you get treated poorly for being a follower of Christ. There's going to be times when you get talked about, you may get backstabbed. Just in the fallen world in general, these things happen all the time. And it's easy to want to get stirred up to respond in an unbiblical way. Listen, all these things should concern us. These things should even anger us to a degree, but they should never move us to sin. Ephesians 4, 6 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. These things absolutely should stir us to contend for the faith. Out of love for the Lord, out of love for the lost, we've been exhorted to contend earnestly for the faith in Jude verse 3. But they should never move us to vengeance or the wrath of man. Notice James 1.19. It says, So then, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Notice, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And this is so, so true. Again, in a fallen world where there's going to be wrongs that are brought against you where there's a growing opposition against the Lord and the Word of God and the people of God, boy, there's a lot of temptation to want to lash out in the flesh, to want to just get overcome with anger and wrath and so forth. Sometimes it's just a wrath that wells up in our heart. And we're reminded in this psalm who wrath belongs to and who vengeance belongs to. It doesn't belong to us. The Lord's not looking for vigil, vigilantes in the name of Jesus. He's not looking for Batman for Christ. You know, he's not looking for that. Vengeance is the Lord's. In fact, we read it twice here. Oh, Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs. Oh, God, to whom vengeance belongs. Shine forth. And listen, his vengeance will be executed in due time. So in the meantime, we need to rest in the Lord and respond biblically to a fallen world, to these peril days of, of, of peril that we are living in, even responding biblically to oppositions we're going to face as followers of the Lord. Notice Romans twelve seventeen. It says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with the people you like. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, notice, hear this this morning. Maybe you're being tempted in this area. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We need to be a people not returning evil for evil. We need to be people praying for the lost. A people forgiving those that sin against us. Striving to live peaceably with all men as much as it's due us or on our part. And then absolutely knowing in doing that, we're leaving room for the wrath of God. In the sense of, I'm not going to take that into my hand. That doesn't belong to me. I'm going to leave that to the Lord. And hear this, listen. That wrath is coming to the unbeliever ultimately when he dies. And it's not a joke. We're going to see in this psalm, it speaks of God being the judge. And indeed, he is. And I'll tell you, if you don't know the Lord today, the fact that vengeance belongs to the Lord and that his demand is utter perfection Boy, that is great reason to get saved today, to get born again today. John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Do you believe in the Son this morning? Not the S-U-N, the S-O-N, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you trusted your soul to Him? Can you say amen to that? Then listen, we have everlasting life. Our sins are washed. Our transgressions are cleansed. We're seen now through the life of Jesus Christ. We're a people, as I mentioned in communion, no longer under the law of God that damns us to hell, but now we're under the grace of God that saves us. So he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, but he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But notice, the wrath of God abides on him. 
those who reject the lordship of christ those who choose not to trust their soul to the lord the wrath of god abides upon them and if they die in that sin that wrath will absolutely be upon them in condemnation forever and ever and ever and listen knowing that knowing that waits the unbeliever it should be all the more that our heart is not to return evil for evil to those that are under the sway of the wicked one but i hope all the more that would stir our hearts to recognize we are here to represent jesus christ until he comes or till we go to be with him because the lord is desiring to see these people get born again and saved ultimately listen there's a wrath coming upon this world the bible talks about the day of the lord a period of time when the lord comes for his church and then there's a great tribulation and there's great wrath poured out from heaven a line drawn in the sand so to speak where men have to make that choice do i want to come to christ or do i want to follow this antichrist and that day will be a day of great vengeance first thessalonians 5 3 when they say peace and safety when this man of lawlessness arrives and they think he has all the answers they'll cry out peace and safety notice it says then sudden destruction or sudden punishment sudden wrath comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape again the lord says vengeance is mine we see a world spinning out of control right now in rebellion and it seems to be multiplying every single day like a pregnant woman about to deliver where those birth pains are getting closer and closer and more and more intense and i'll tell you it's writing on the wall calling for this world to repent because there is sudden destruction that's soon going to come but notice verse four but you brethren are not in the darkness so this day should overtake you as a thief listen if you're in the darkness today it's time to repent and put faith in christ and be brought into the light through the work of the cross when that vengeance does come notice here it's going to shine forth when he brings it it's going to be in perfect justice it's perfectly righteous and it will be perfectly upright there's a lot of people running around the world today judging the judge shaking their fist at god trying to absolutely come against the word of god saying their word is higher than god's word and god's truth saying god's unjust god's not righteous saying god's not loving because of his precepts and commands and so forth but i got to tell you this morning god's word declares it his vengeance and his justice is absolutely 100 percent upright it shines forth in total brilliant light psalm 25 8 good and upright is the lord that's some foundation for this psalm here notice verse 2 rise up O judge of the earth render punishment to the proud one of the names of god is the judge of the earth you don't hear a lot about that today you hear a lot about oh god is love and indeed god is love but god also is the judge of the earth and be careful if you're one of those people that say oh man only god's gonna judge me god's judgment is way more strict than anyone you're going to find here on earth because god's standard is utter perfection but a lot of people will throw that out to justify their sin or someone saying hey man why are you doing that oh only god can judge me man that should be something that makes our knees knock because if i'm judged outside of the life of christ i'm going straight to hell and absolutely i should go straight to hell because i perfectly transgress god's law but praise god there's a perfect savior that has made the way of salvation rise up O judge of the earth render punishment to the proud so again the psalmist moved by the holy spirit declares twice that the vengeance on the earth belongs to the lord and then it moves him to cry out to the lord to come and bring that vengeance to rise up 
to render punishment. And I'll tell you, I know God has called us to be a people that evangelize, a people that worship, a people that are about evangelism. But at the same time, listen, this verse stirs more in my soul with each passing day as you look around and you see the blatant rebellion against God. When you see that which is good labeled as evil, when you see that which is evil labeled as good. I don't know if many of you guys heard this, but this past week over 20 churches were burned to the ground in Canada. And the Canadian government's doing nothing about it. In fact, there's people in the media encouraging it for encouraging it to continue. That stirs my heart to say, oh, judge, come and judge and render punishment. When I hear a report this week that Miss Nevada is actually Mr. Nevada going to compete for Mrs. USA, that stirs my heart. That's rank rebellion against God Almighty. And I'll tell you, let me ask you, where are the men defending the women? That man just stole the woman's spot. And that's always the mark of judgment coming when the men do not behave as men protecting the women. And on top of that, where are these women's rights people letting some man go in there and take the spot of a woman? Where are they at? There's a stirring in the heart, is there not? Where a righteous anger begins to brew up. Where you can identify with the words of Moses in Numbers 35 when he says, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered. Where, yes, we want to see people get saved and we're rejoicing in the long-suffering of the Lord, but there's a longing to see the Lord come back and set all this in order once and for all that will be a glorious day. He's going to render, as it says here, punishment on the proud. James 4, 6, God resists or opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And listen, the ultimate form of pride is the rejection of Jesus Christ. It's men saying, I'll be my own God. I'll do what's right in my own eyes. I'll make my, mo- my own moral code. I'll do as I will. They're described like this in Philippians 3.18. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they're enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Leviathan and Isaiah is described as the serpent over the sea. It's a, another name for Lucifer himself. And it's interesting in Job forty-one thirty-four, It says, Leviathan beholds every high thing. Notice, he is king over the children of pride. Satan is the king over the children of pride. We need to humble our hearts and cry out to God for salvation, not rise up and say we are proud of our rank rebellion against God Almighty. And boy, we've seen a lot of that this past month, have we not? Verse 3, O Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? And again, in a fallen world, oftentimes you look around and you see sin and the sinner flourishing and it just seems like they're going to flourish forever and the psalmist here wrestling with that ask how long will they triumph let me tell you this morning as long as it seems that they will that it will continue it won't be that long psalm 39 11 when he rebukes you when 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 with rebukes you correct man for iniquity you make his beauty melt away like a moth Surely every man is a vapor, Selah. Seems like a long time, but it's like a vapor. It's like a moth that melts away. We're told as well in 2 Peter 3, 8, don't forget this. God's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. And speaking of the day of the Lord, the returning of the Lord. But he's long-suffering towards us, not willing any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
But in those seasons where it just seems like things are drawn out and it seems like the rebellion is abounding and wicked people are triumphing, we got to remember our time here is very, very short. The judgment of God, it draws near. Verse 4, the utter speech. These speak insolent things. All the workers of iniquity boast in themselves. Notice, workers of iniquity versus workers of righteousness. Let's not be a people positionally right with God, but practically work iniquity. But God grant us grace and mercy to be a people by your hand and your help that work righteousness. These workers of iniquity, though, notice they don't boast in the Lord. They boast in themselves. They speak insolent things or they speak with arrogance and a lack of respect towards God. Psalm 10.3 puts it like this, For the wicked boast in his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God's in none of his thoughts. And I'll tell you, what's in your mind and what's in your heart is going to be manifest in what comes out of your mouth. And we're living a world that absolutely makes it its aim at almost every turn to suppress thoughts towards God. It's why it's so important that we are a people that have our minds set upon the Lord, that we're a people that have our minds set upon the word and worship of God, giving thanks and praise and so forth, because, again, the meditations of your mind will be manifest with what comes out of your mouth and workers of iniquity. Again, they boast with their mouth. They speak insolent things with their mouth. The reflective there of the Tower of Babel, that great rebellion that absolutely the 2.0 version is coming together today when they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the old earth. God had told them to scatter out and trust in me. But instead, they said, no, we're going to gather together and make a name for us. Let's not be like them. Proverbs 27, 2 says, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 2, do not sound a trumpet before the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory for men. Speaking about when they would give their tithes and offerings. Don't boast about that. And in Galatians 6.14, Paul said, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's boast in our Lord. Boy, he, he, is, he is boast-worthy, is he not? He's given us this beautiful day. He's gathered us together in this beautiful place. And above all that, he laid down his beautiful life that we could have a beautiful relationship with Him and have a beautiful eternity set before us. It says of these workers of iniquity, they break in pieces your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. We see this throughout Scripture. You see this throughout the world today. We read in Hebrews 11, in that hall of faith, as we call it, where we read of men and women moving by faith in the Lord. And it talks there about some of the ways they were broken in pieces for the Lord. And a fascinating passage, and a lot of people believe this perhaps happened during the Maccabees. And we talked about this, that this summer in our study in Daniel. But it says there in Hebrews 11.35, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute. Afflicted. Tormented. Of the world. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. That's workers of iniquity. That's sons and daughters of Leviathan breaking in pieces the people of God and afflicting the heritage of God Almighty. And listen, God takes note of that. And if those sins aren't repented 
again, judgment is coming. And some would look at this and say, why are they so determined to try to get, come against the things of God and the word of God and the gospel of God and the people of God? Well, number one, the whole world's under the sway of the wicked one. And you need to hear it this morning. The true believer in the Lord is the number one and really the only enemy of the enemy. If you think this morning, well, you know, it's all the conservatives over here and they're on team God and all the liberals over here, and they're on the team devil. No, no, it's not that. It's everyone over here and the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ when you get down to the nitty gritty. Now, there might be some more commonalities with some groups than the other, but all those groups will eventually come together and they rapidly are. And you know who number one enemy is? It's followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know why that's the case? Because we have the keys of the kingdom. We have the gospel message. We're the only ones that have the means and the know-how of how to set prisoners of war free. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Do you know that this morning as a follower of Christ? You have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You're like, where are those keys? I left. I always lose my keys. We have the keys of the kingdom of heaven and the enemy of our soul that this world is under the sway of desperately wants to keep people in that place of condemnation, damned to hell. But we have the keys to the kingdom. And what are the keys of the kingdom? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice 2 Corinthians 5.18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It goes on to say he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then it goes on to say we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Notice here. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have the keys to the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know the bad news that we're all sinners. We're under condemnation. We're damned to hell outside of Christ. That's bad news. The door to heaven is locked and none of us are going in through it on our own. But boy, we got the good news. Boy, isn't it good news when you're locked out and you finally find that key? Or the locksmith shows up and he opens that door. It's even better when he says, hey, it's a freebie. I'm not even going to charge you. And I tell you, it's a freebie to heaven. And that Jesus Christ again became sin for sinners, atoned for our sins, rose from the grave, that through faith in him we might become righteous before God Almighty and right standing with God. And thus the enemies of the Lord under the sway of the wicked one they strive to break in pieces the people of God and afflict the heritage of God Almighty. But we're going to see in a minute, be reminded, God's on our side. We need not fear. Notice verse 6, they slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. This is our world today. A, a world in rebellion that, you know, rises up and say, they, they say, we're just, we're upright. We walk in justice why they butcher 60 million babies in our nation. James 1.27, and it's so important that this verse is applied in its full context. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, but it doesn't stop there and keep oneself unspotted from the world. There's a lot of do-gooders out there that pat themselves on their back. I help this guy and that guy, but they're completely spotted by the world because the reason they do what they do is to boast in themselves. Absolutely, we got a call to minister to those that are in need, those on the fringe of society. Absolutely, we got a call, and we'll see this more in this text to stand up for the voiceless, especially for the voiceless in the womb. But let's make sure we're doing it in a manner that does not look worldly, but instead it boasts in the Lord Jesus Christ. And on top of that, listen, that lie of murder in the womb 
Our Lord came to forgive that as well and to bring healing and reconciliation and life and to set men and women free from all sin. See, our God is the giver of life. Satan is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Notice 7 through 11. Yet they say, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob understand. And then God responds, understand, you senseless among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? He who instructs the nations, shall he not correct? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are futile. This is our world today, this description of that time. It's on a highway to hell. Desiring to be in hell. We went from ACDC to Little Nas, right? Don't even Google it. Just trust me. (laughs) Abounding in rebellion as is in the days of Noah and the days of Lot when they didn't think God could see or God could hear or God was not watching when they thought God would not judge them. We're living in a like time today. And yet we read the words of Christ in Luke 17, 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate and drank, they married wives, and were given in marriage until that day. Notice, Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Why? Because their thoughts were continually bent on wickedness, and their actions were continually sinful. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. And no doubt they thought, God doesn't even take note, we'll do as we will. But on that day, Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And again, it was a culture marked by rank sexual sin, which they celebrated and paraded about in. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, I praise God that Noah was taken in. And then the wrath came, and Lot was pulled out. Then the wrath came. We want to rejoice in that. But listen, this world needs to understand that God's taking note. And he pleads, and he says, understand, you senseless people. He's saying, wise up, you fools. I think of Ecclesiastes 12, 6, that says, Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed. And then we read in Hebrews 9, 27, It's appointed for man to die once, and after this, the judgment. He's saying, wise up, understand, your time is short, and a judgment is coming. And then again, verse 9, Do you really think the one who made your ear, he doesn't hear? Do you really think the one who made your eye, doesn't see what's going on psalm eleven four. his eyes behold his eyelids test the sons of men and then jesus said in matthew twelve thirty six, but i say to you for every idle word men speak they will give an account of it he sees all he hears all and listen this is absolutely frightening he knows the thoughts of every man at every time That should make our knees knock. He sees it all. He hears it all. And he knows what's going on between those ears and behind those eyes. Jesus said in Mark 7, 21, from within, out of the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts. And he talks about those defiling a man. Again, Mark 7, 21. And all this, again, he sees, he hears, he knows. He demands perfection, not just in deed, but in thought. And we have no hope of perfection in ourselves. But praise God, listen, as we're judged to the uttermost, praise God, there's salvation available to the uttermost in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. 
Isn't that glorious this morning? Now notice 12 through 15. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law, that you may give him rest in the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance, but judgment will return to righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Again, in time, God's going to bring vengeance and perfect order to this world. Does that mean in the meantime, there's no blessing available to those that would want to walk with the Lord? Do we have to wait for that day? No, we don't have to wait. God's blessing are yes and amen. And I'll tell you, in a world that has just gone astray, that instructs concerning, you know what, life from the doctrines of demons and the philosophies of men, there's blessing found when you receive the instruction of the Lord and you allow the Lord to teach you out of His law. When we allow Him to teach us out of His word. Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man who not walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice verse 2, But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What will he be like? He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit and its seasons, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You want to be blessed in this day? Get in the word of God. Let God's word instruct you. And then from there, let's heed the call in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, then to go proclaim the word of God to others. This world needs God's word. God's word is the most relevant book upon the face of the earth. In the midst of all of this rigmarole, in the midst of all this rebellion, there's blessings found in the instruction of God's word. And there's rest found in the person of our Lord. Verse 13, again, he'll give you rest even in the day of adversity. Even while the pit's being dug for the wicked. And by the way, they're digging that pit themselves. There's rest found in the Lord. Right now. Are you at rest today in the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of this fallen world? Well, Jesus is calling out to you, saint. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight, And then beautifully, notice verse 14 again. The Lord will not cast off his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. He'll never cast us off. We read he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We read in the scriptures, he's with us in the fire and in the flood. And beautifully, this is mind-blowing. Listen, his people are his inheritance. This is speaking in this context of the nation of Israel. This is another rebuke to those that say, God's done with Israel. Then God's a liar because he says right here, he will not cast off his people. He will not forsake his inheritance. And listen, as we have been grafted in according to the new covenant. This is true for us this morning. Are you in Christ Jesus? Could you say amen to that a second time this morning? You are the inheritance of Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. When he drew you to himself and you called out to his name, you became the inheritance of God Almighty. That's pretty awesome. And again, but judgment will return to the righteous. An upright in heart will follow it. This speaks of judgments that are good. Following judgments that are upright. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Let's be following the judgments and the word of God in this day. But I think you could also apply this here to the truth. That the day's coming when we're going to judge the world. Do you realize that? The Bible says we're going to judge angels. 
First Corinthians 6, 2, do you not know the saints will judge the world? Verse 3, do you not know we shall judge the angels? This is a key verse in understanding who's who in the tribulation. We're going to get into this in the next, you know, the upcoming weeks that we see those beheaded in the tribulation. They don't judge anybody, but those on thrones, they make judgment. Speaking of God's church, it's insight into end times things. O oh Lord, lead us into your judgments that we can make proper judgments in our life. And then notice verse 16. With all this said, the Lord asked the question, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? You need to know this morning, we have a charge to do so. We have a charge to rise up, not to shrink back. We have a call to stand up not to go sit down. We have a call to move forward, not to retreat. Jude 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you, notice, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. They're getting easier to notice. I hope you're noticing that. But they've crept in, I notice. Who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Proverbs 28 4. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked. And you see a lot of Christian today praising wickedness. But such as keep the law, contend with them. It's not a call to be contentious, but to contend. We're told in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. These are calls to rise up against evildoers. Those that the Bible talks about over and over and over and over and over again. Who infiltrate the church with false teaching. And let me tell you, dirty birds are all over in the mustard seed tree. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven would be like that. And it's also a call to be salt and light. To be a people that are being used as a restrainer of evil in a fallen world. What's this look like? This looks like Jesus when he went into the temple and he turned the tables and drove out the money changers and he said, you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves when it's supposed to be a house of prayer. This is Simon Peter when he rebuked Simon the sorcerer. He was trying to bring his witchcraft into Christianum. And he said, your money perish with you, man. You need to repent. This is Apollos in Acts 18.28, who vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Again, he didn't do it privately. He didn't just think about it in his mind. He got out in the public and he said, Jesus is the Christ. In fact, let's open up the Old Testament and I'm going to prove it to you and I'm going to do it vigorously. <clears throat> this is Paul in 2 Corinthians 11.2. Going against workers of Satan who are posing as apostles of Christ. What I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in all things of what they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to the works. Notice again, that I may cut off opportunity for those who desire an opportunity 
to be regarded just as we are. You need to know this morning there's a great move in many cults on earth to be regarded as Christian. The ones mainly pushing this is the Mormon church. They desperately are looking for opportunity to be regarded as followers of Christ. And this is why there's great, great danger. And I've talked about this in detail. When there's shows like The Chosen that come out, where it's a partnership with Christians and Mormons, and when the director of that film series says that Christians and Mormons worship the same Jesus Christ. They long for an opportunity to be regarded as us. It's not a small matter, and if you think it is, you need to step back and open up your eyes. These are the evils God talked about penetrating the church. But you're like, but I like that. I'm entertained by that. But souls are hanging in the balance. It's comforting Mormons thinking they're okay in their Mormonism. Mormonism says that Jesus was once just a man and became God. And you can become a God and have your own planet and populate it and have celestial sex with virgins forever. Does that sound like the word of God? And a man would make such a statement. Read the quote, word for word, verbatim. We love the same Jesus as the Mormons. And so many Christians, oh, come on now. He said this over here. It's such a cute Jesus in that film. We need to wake up. Souls hang in the balance. It's not a small matter. Who will rise up for me against evildoers? Who will stand up for me against workers of iniquity? It doesn't say, who will rise up and partner with evildoers? Who will rise up and partner with workers of iniquity? It hits home with me. My great-great-grandfather was Brigham Young and Joseph Smith's bodyguard. He had 13 wives, countless children, and he murdered an innumerable amount of people in the name of the Mormon church. But we worship the same Jesus. The Bible says, Cursed is a man that brings any other gospel. And there's more than one way to do that. He calls us to rise up. He calls us to stand up. And yet so few do. Why? They fear men over God. They want to be accepted by the world. They fraternize with the enemy. They don't want to rock the boat. Usually there's just no unction via a lukewarm walk with Christ. They're not considering crowns and glory. Instead caught up in aimless conduct. And so many are just in complete ignorance concerning the gospel, the call to repentance, and the call to sound doctrine. And such things that are permeating the earth. And it's so sad he asked this question. It's so sad if we don't respond because we read in verse 17 that the Lord gives assurance that he'll go before us every step along the way. The psalmist writes, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. Listen, if we're called to rise up on our own, we have no hope. We're going to settle in silence as a defeated foe. But the Lord wants to help. The Lord wants to brew a fire in your soul. The Lord absolutely, absolutely wants to empower us to stand up for righteousness even when we're in a place of saying, Lord, it's too difficult. I know he wants to do in us like he did in Jeremiah when he said, I just got to shut my mouth. No one's listening. But the Lord came upon him and he said that his heart burned with a fire as God pressed him. And he said, I can't hold back. I got to say something. Just let you guys know something. There's sometimes up here when I got a fire and I got to say it. I just said some things that weren't in my notes that God stirred my heart and said, you got to say it. You got to say it. There might be some offended, but you got to say it. And I'd rather offend you than offend God. Verse 18. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. And again, listen. Listen. 
we're called to rise up, but there's many times when we slip while we're getting up, right? Praise God, a righteous man falls seven times, but he rises again. And praise God, our Lord is there to lift us up and hold us up in the midst of a fallen world and to comfort us because, listen, so much of this is very uncomfortable, is it not? A lot of this psalm's uncomfortable. A lot of these issues are uncomfortable. Where will we seek comfort from? Will we seek it from the Lord who comforts us in all our tribulation? Will we receive it from Scripture, Romans 15, 4? This speaks of the comfort of Scriptures. When we get His comfort, there's a delight that comes to the soul even in the midst of great adversity. Now listen to 20 and 21. This is huge. Shall the throne of iniquity which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you. They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. Our fellowship is either with the throne of heaven or the throne of iniquity. And Revelation is called the throne of Satan. You always know that judgment is very near when nations and people begin to devise evil and make it law. They devise evil by law. There are so many laws right now that are being passed that are rank evil. They're satanic. They're wicked. They rage against common sense and they rage against God Almighty. And those that walk in such have no fellowship with God. Notice, we get prophetic insight into a law that was passed in this nation. And I told you we talk about this again and we're almost done. But in 1973, there was a law that was passed. An evil law. I should say an evil judgment by our Supreme Court. And they said, we're going to make this law. Notice verse 21, they gather together against the life of the righteous and they condemn innocent blood. Are the pieces coming together right now? We're going to pass a law that a mother that's pregnant can kill that baby. And the woman says, but that's my body. It's my choice. No, that's not your body. That's a baby's body. That's a life's body. You don't have a choice in that by God's law. Lord told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were knit in your mother's womb. We need to pray for our nation. There's rank rebellion in it, really in our world. They devise evil by law. And again, there's laws right now that are trying to be passed. That if they are passed and they're carried out to the fullest, we won't be doing this out here anymore. We will be like our friends up north, meeting secretly as an underground church. If we want to stand in righteousness and truth. If we don't want to bend knee to these passing and devising evil by law. Again, with this, listen, there's no iniquity, there's no evil, there's no wickedness that Jesus Christ did not go to the cross to atone for and absolutely offers forgiveness and salvation for. Our God gives life. Satan and the throne of iniquity takes life. Verse 22, but the Lord has been my defense and my God the rock of my refuge. Listen, when you rise up against evildoers, it's all the more you can be confident as you rise up by the hand of God you will be protected by the hand of God. Don't listen to that lie that says, oh, it's safe to say nothing. It's safer to say something. Now say it in love. Say it tactfully. Don't say it by the wrath of man, but by the spirit of God. But listen, you need to know this morning, God will be your defense and God will be your rock of refuge. Our God does not lie. And then finally, he says, he has brought on them their own iniquity. 
and shall cut them off in their own wickedness, the Lord our God shall cut them off. See, iniquity unchecked, wickedness unchecked, it always ends up being an instrument itself that God uses to bring a judgment. And then eventually it ends in being completely cut off from the Lord if one dies in that place. It's a heavy psalm. I I thought we were just going to do the Pledge of Allegiance today and have sparklers and hot dogs. That's what you're going to go home and do. But we do, again, thank God for our nation. We want to pray for our nation. And more so this morning, I'm thankful that I have a greater nation, that in Christ I'm a citizen of heaven, and so are you in Jesus. Let's stand up and close in prayer and worship of our God. Heavenly Father, we bless you, we praise you, we give you glory. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you for your person. I thank you, God, that you are the judge. Oh, but Lord, I thank you that you are the Savior. Let us rejoice in our salvation, Lord. Let us only boast in you. And God, I pray this morning you would give us unction. You would give us prophetic gifts and a fresh work of the Holy Spirit to be able to rise up, God, in a dark day and a day of peril and strength of might and power, seasoned and covered by great love from above. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, you've heard bad news, but more so you've heard the good news. I can't encourage you enough. Call upon the Lord. Don't harden your heart to Jesus Christ. Ask him to save you, to forgive you. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. Listen, that's an act of repentance. This means, it means you're turning from do as thy will to say, Jesus, I want you to do as you will in my life. Indeed, the word says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no partiality with him. There's no partiality in his judgments. And there's no partiality in salvation. Come to the Lord. Let's lift our voices to him and close giving glory to our God.
morning, less time to come together. I just pray you have a wonderful afternoon that you absolutely uh, rejoice in the Lord and rejoice again in uh, the blessings we have in this country and uh, encourage you guys, we have a good half an hour before the next service to, to encourage one another, uh, build up one another and again I just pray God greatly shines his face on you. God bless.